1: done what you told us. We brought you the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. We melted her. Oh, you liquidated her, eh? Very resourceful. Yes, sir. So we'd like you to keep your promise to us, if you please, sir. Not so fast. Not so fast. I'll have to give the matter a little thought.
2: Go away and
1: come back tomorrow.
2: Tomorrow?
0: You've had plenty of time already. Yeah. Do not arouse the wrath of the great and powerful
1: Oz. I said, come back tomorrow. If you're really great and powerful, you keep your promises. Do you presume to criticize the great
0: Oz? You ungrateful creatures. Think yourselves lucky that I'm giving you audience tomorrow instead of 20 years from now. Oh. The great Oz has spoken. Oh, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain.
1: The great Oz has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, I uh, don't believe you.
0: No, I'm afraid it's true. There's no other wizard except me. You humbug. Yeah yes it's yes, exactly so i'm a humbug
1: oh, you're a
0: very bad man oh no my dear i i'm a very good man i'm just a very bad wizard
1: welcome everybody to a Bite. welcome to the desert of the real and to a world where men still have nipples I wonder if the Wizard of Oz has nipples. Well, that's what we're going to find out today, among many other things. So very excited to see everybody here on this Friday, Friday day. And uh, yeah, a very special show where we will be talking about the secret, the occult secrets behind The Wizard of Oz. And with us, I can't think of anybody better to take us down that rabbit hole or more like through that yellow brick road than David Block. David, thank you very much. And thank you very much for coming and good to see you.
3: Yeah, same, Miguel. Thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here again, once again, with another movie this time, The Wizard of Oz. And it's a very interesting movie. So, so oh, yeah. it, it will be very interesting, I hope.
1: Should be, it should be. I mean, The Wizard of Oz has uh, such a cultural cultural factor in the West. And uh, I, I mean, so much has been written about it. I, as a kid, read all the books beyond the one that we know. I thought they were amazing. And even in Chicago, I used to live across the street, or there's a park, Humble Park, where Frank Baum himself would go there during the day and sit on a bench and write the wizard of Oz. So it was very interesting uh, to see that into, well, to me, it was an important, uh, an important place, if you would. And with us too, we've got the Moondog Vans fans. How are you doing?
4: I'm okay this morning. Uh, doing fine. Um, I guess this is a show where, uh, where we'll make an exception and we will allow straw man arguments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah just make sure you don't forget your brains people don't forget <laughs> right. your brains yeah so don't yeah. let if not the the chat the chat will turn into the chitico as we like oh, to yeah. say here yeah, and don't yeah. be
4: cowardly lions and fail to uh ask your questions via super chat
1: there there you go there you go yeah and for the audience too if you get a chance and maybe vance you can share the link you wrote a good blog post for the website called The Wizard of Oz. GM. Oh, but, yeah. And you break down sort of the, the, the basic or, you know, the most striking Gnostic themes of The Wizard of Oz. So I had forgotten about artic- that one. It's a while yeah. ago. Good article. And everybody should check it out. All right. Well, I don't have much uh, housekeeping. On Monday, we will do a show on Hellenistic astrology. Monday night for another AB Live, so check it out. Our guest, her first name is Alexandra, so it's perfect. And you will enjoy her work, and she will also give a very nice visual and audio presentation. Other than that, uh, some news coming in a few weeks about Astronosis as it's being set in stone. Uh, I don't want to give too much away right now, but uh, plan on it being August 9 and 10 of this year at the Theosophical Society. But more to come, and uh, you'll see it's going to be great. So um, other than that, uh, David, shall we get started? Or you be the wizard now.
3: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, let's start so we can get through the presentation. I hope we will have it done. Yeah, decoding the whistle of us. Uh, I have done this before, but in Swedish. Uh, And uh, I have chosen to divide the presentation in 14 chapters. And 14 is a number that will come up many times in this presentation. I thought it was a good idea to have 14 chapters. Well, chapter one is Introduction. Chapter 2, Lehman Frank Baum. 3, Allegory and the Narrative. Four, Three Two Two, or 322. 5, Podesta. 6, Emerald City and the Shooting Star. 7, Over the Rainbow. 8, Gamaliel, the Moon. 9, Liberos, 77. 10, Decoding Podesta. 11, The Yellow Brick Road. 12, the wizard. 13, red shoes. Red shoes, and 14. Uh, I'm sorry about this one, ladies, but it is Glinda, it's a bitch.
1: That was my favorite one when I saw it. Like, like David's going to make a lot of friends today.
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Don't throw me overboard yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Listen to what he has to say. Yeah.
3: Yeah. For sure. And as always, you are my judge, but I will come against you with all evidence I got. But you are the one who choose to judge for me or against me. And as I said before, I have do, done this two times in Swedish before. Uh, one on a lecture and one on the internet. The one on the internet have disappeared. It was in Swedish, on Swedish channel. Had quite many views, so thirty-five thousand or something like that. It's quite big for a Swedish uh, thing, and this is in English, so we'll see how it will turn out. But I rather want quality than quantity. So it's, I don't <laughs> number of views doesn't mean that much.
1: No engagement—that's oh. what matters. Exactly,
3: and I think this is the perfect audience for my presentation. I really think so. Now, before we go to the movie and the book, I have to talk a little about the background and please bear with me. I will get a, go into the movie soon, but I have to put out some information before. Well, Frank Baum did the book like 1900 write the book in 1900. And during this time, you had an esoteric revival. A lot of esoteric organization started to come about. And this esoteric organization didn't have they had similar ideas, but also different ideas, right? And a lot of, of it came with some Christian baggage. And the Theosophical Society you had Rudolf Steiner, and a huge topic for them was about technology. And Rudolf Steiner saw that technology can be used for good and for bad. And this became a struggle, I think, within the esoteric organization, where Golden Dawn, Thelema was still into the uh, spiritual stuff men- mentally, but it turned uh, on a uh, other direction with Jack Parson and people like that who took over after Crowley. Now I think Rudolf Steiner saw this, and uh, the movie is about that struggle. Some of it is about the struggle between what esoteric should be. Should it be only about spirit and transform from within, or should you add technology? to the esoteric practice. And I think that's one of the the themes in The Wizard of Oz, the movie. Now I'm going to decode the movie and people have a hard time to see that the movie and the book are two different things. It is based on the book, but major changes. I made it into a complete different narrative. So if you have decoded the book, yeah, the book have a nice message. Nothing wrong with it, and Frank Baum had a good intention with it. But the movie is another thing. And from Lehman Frank Baum perspective, it was something good. He wanted to do a nice story about happiness, transformation, uh, spiritual things. I don't doubt that at all. And uh, you can see it in the book. If you you haven't read it, I recommend you to read it. Uh, And uh, uh, he he, he got the inspiration from the esoteric and the theosophical society. And it was a a kind of a theosophical allegory, uh, the book.
2: And uh, yeah.
3: But the movie is a little bit different <laughs> now he brought he did 14 books and this 14 will come <laughs> about a couple of times there the movie sorry the book was written 1900 he was a member of the theosophic society a lot of theaters books Uh, came about before the movie. So it was a huge thing thing before the the movie came, 1939. And you can see that Frank Baum was already dead when the movie was made. Therefore, he couldn't have anything to say about it. His wife was still alive, if I don't remember.
2: wrong there if i don't so all right
3: what is an allegory as a literary device or artistic form an allegory is a narrative or visual representation in which a character place or event can be interpreted to represent a meaning with moral or political significance and i think the movie have used this in a more broader way than was than what what was intended with the book. Yeah, the screenplay the, for the movie is written by different people, at least three. And it was rewritten and it was a huge struggle <laughs> to get it made and a very interesting person was Noel Langley and this Noel Langley objected to the changes and lamented the fine cut upon the first (laughs) upon first seeing it but later revised his opinion and I can understand (laughs) that he wasn't that happy. Doesn't mean that the movie is bad uh, but the narrative is changed
2: in it. And it became about one main theme in the movie became about technology. The
3: book, if you haven't read it one more time, you should read it because if you read it, you will see one where the narrative is changed in major ways. And it makes the movie a complete different thing, even though it's, it's based on the book. And the, the book was named The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, but the movie was The Wizard of Oz. They have removed the wonderful there. And that's an, a big thing. <laughs> and uh, I will show you why later. But he's not the wonderful wizard. He is the wizard of us here. One major difference is, is of course, the shoes. And everybody (laughs) talks about it because it's a very easy thing to spot and see. But they don't think about what it means to change it and what happens. And you have to understand that if if you want to understand the movie. Now, why did they change the silver shoes to red shoes? What is the meaning behind
2: that? And who is Glinda?
3: In the book, Glinda is a nice person; she is the good witch. But you see, Dorothy, in the book, see the shoes shoes and think they are beautiful and want to have it on, on her own accord. She's the one who decides to take them on. But not in the movie. And there's a major change between free will and to be manipulated to do something. And the wizard, who is he? I'm sure that Frank Baum had another... in his mind when he did the book Uh, but the wizard become, become a person in the movie and I will tell you exactly who the wizard is and why I think he is that person and that's a very important thing as well but he is a real person according to me but Frank Baum didn't have that in mind when did the book. Like he is a person in the movie, but not a real living person who existed. There was a person, I, I don't know <laughs> if it's still, it probably is Martin Leeds is his name. And he, he decoded the movie, or he decoded the podesta, uh, the hand, 14 and a fish. Martin Leeds came to the number 322 and skull and bones. Uh, but I think maybe there's a minor <laughs> symbology here. There are more deeper uh, meanings behind this four, 14 and a fish thing. Now I'm going to decode Podesta on a deeper level. But he's on to something and it's correct to say that that, that is something to ha- that it is something to that. But skull and bones in 322 is really the number 66. If you break it down, you have three. If you take the combination, different combination in 322, you have 3 plus 2 plus 2 is equal 7, 32 plus 2 equals 34, and 3 plus 22 equals 25. And if you add them up, you get 66. And if you take three times 22, you get 66 as well. So to say that it is 322 and skull and bones doesn't mean that much for me. But if we go deeper down with the number, we will have a more profound understanding what skull and bones mean by it. And we come, of course, to the cliffhortic tree because the number 66 is a reference to the cliffhortic tree, to the tree of knowledge. And skull and bones, you have the, the skull and bones in the pirate flag. And you can claim it's a reference to Saturn, but it is more a reference to Thagirion, the black sun, where you have an image of death burial places, skulls, and bones, death, buried treasures. As in The Shining, when I decoded The Shining, you ended up in the golden room where you had an elite hiding gold or mining gold. And pirates traveled over water. And water of course, Poseidon, Enki. But I don't want to go deeper in it than that, because uh, when we analyze the movie, this is important, but not more than that. But remember, skull and bones, Fagirion 66, clip 43, and skull and bones. And here you have the man, Man Podesta is very satisfied. He has a cool cipher here going on. (laughs) He has uh, 14 and a fish. Mm. And uh, I'm going to decode Podesta because he, he's talking about a thing with the whistle of Oz here. That's the main reason. There are layers upon layers of meaning. I go to the deeper meaning because I liked <laughs> deeper things. And of course, you can claim it's a reference to Cyrus and the 14 part. It was cut into And his penis was was eaten by fish, traveling in a coffin down the waters, of course. And Isis resurrected him. Yes, that is one layer. But I want to go deeper than that. It's also about sexual magic and resurrection. Let's go further in time. To 1985, and this is a point many people miss. We had the other Oz movie come about, Return to Oz. And Disney bought the rights to produce it, and this was 1985. And when they did the Return to Oz, they changed the logo or their opening crawl to the famous city. And the uh, the, the uh, tower and, and the castle is based on a castle from Bavaria. And that maybe should uh, tell some people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Bavarian Illuminati, and, and you have a shooting star flying over the castle. And this came about right after The return to us. So you have uh, the shooting star over this castle, and this shooting star comes in the movie The Return of Us, because in that movie Dorothy find uh, the ring, says us on the ring, and the ring comes from a shooting star. And with the ring. She goes back to the land of Oz. Uh, And in that movie, she comes there through water, of course, if you remember. Now, Disney change or have a new opening crawl with the, the castle and the shooting star with Oz.
2: And that begins with this movie. Stanley Kubrick liked to use
3: Disney in his movie, The Shining. And uh, there's a reason for that, I have to say. Uh, Stanley probably didn't like Disney that much because he was onto them. They are not that nice family friendly company producing nice cartoons. And uh, I'm not a Christian. I'm a left-hand practitioner. But the Christian is on to something here. Sorry to say, but Disney ain't that nice and cozy. Yeah, agreed. In the movie The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy is singing One Day Over the Rainbow. And that's maybe the most famous scene in the movie. And she has her dog Toto behind her and uh, uh singing this famous song and there's a reason for it there's a symbol symbology here to pierce the rainbow or go and go over the rainbow and though the dreams and end up on the other side or in the whistle of us or the on the yellow brick road so speak and when we dream we can end up on the other side of the tree and in gamaliel or in the astral realm and dreams can be very real can be sometimes we just dream or what, what, what we have done on, during the day, but we all have more profound dreams where we feel that what's going on here. And also, you can have lucid dreamings, and you can really end up in the astral dream world. And this is a problem, of course, for people decoding this movie, because they do it from an atheistic, materialist point of view and say, "I wonder if she dreamt or if, if it was it real." It was real. She was there. She was in the astral, uh, as real as this is real, kind of. You have your body here, so it's more important for you in that aspect. But to say that the astral is not important is a lie and that it is only a dream. No, she, she ends up in the astral realm through dreaming, and then she ends up in Gamaliel and the moon on the other side of the tree. And uh, you have the four words in Kabbalah. And you have the f- famous phrase, yod Hey vav Hey, And uh, the astral is uh, Yetzirah formation. And it is yellow, and it is air, and it is sword, the symbology air. And we know that poor Dorothy have ended up in the astral. She has, she has ended up in the Jetsira, the
2: world above our material world.
3: Ends up in a tornado because the tornado is air, of course, and uh, she gets uh, blown up and (laughs) going around this tornado in her house. And she's walking on air, like my song, and the yellow brick rolled sword
2: intelligence dreaming
3: now. You can do a lot of things with the tarot. There are layers upon layers upon layers of meaning. But one grouping of them, the primary grouping of the tarot, looks like this. And you can see the yellow brick road there. Now you can claim there is some green to it as well. But she's going towards Tiferet or Zagirion. She has to end up on the yellow brick road sooner or later. If you put the tarot on the primary grouping of the tarot. And you can see what cards belong to that group. It is death, temperance, the devil, and the tower.
2: now if you go from
3: Gamaliel to thagirion you have to cross the rainbow because it's the road that leads from Gamaliel to thagirion that you have a rainbow between those cliffots so to go over the rainbow means that you have uh, left the astral to the mental you have gone even even deeper into the metaphysical than astral or dreaming. Now you're left Kansas long behind you. Now you're in deep spiritual
2: water or astral water. So you go from nine to six or six to nine, if you pierce the rainbow.
3: And uh, of course, here is the famous song. She's singing about rainbows and stuff like that. It's not a coincidence. That song is an allegory on, the, on an esoteric path, transformation, metaphysical, spiritual. And we all know that you can place the Mayor Arcana on this different path on the trees. You have 22 paths on the tree, you have 22 cards in the Mayor Arcana. And... um, We'll go a little bit deeper in it, but you have uh, two paths on the tree. That is called fish and fish hook. And this path is here. It goes from from the moon Yesod to Netzach, fishhook. From Netzach to Tiferet, you have the fish, fishhook and fish. But that's a detour, you may think. Yeah, it is a detour. She was supposed to go over the rainbow, but someone is sending her on a detour here. What's going on? And why? So she goes from 9 to 7, and from 7 to 6. From Gamaliel to Arab Tharak, and from Arab Sarak to Thagirion. And the path, the tunnels, she has to travel on is... So f- <laughs> So flifu. Sorry, it's very and <laughs> is a little bit easy. So, so Flifu. Very
2: strange name on that tunnel. Anyway.
3: So Flifu. The lesson on that ret- that path, and this is on the other side. This is on the cliffotic tree. Then the path will become a little bit darker and harsher, of course. On these roads, in the cliffotic tree, the tunnel of set, you will encounter visions, spirits, forces that will start to work on you. And of course, during this role, you're supposed to transform them, work with them, overcome them. But you can't be passive. This is a very... Mental, uh, personal uh, transformation. If you do it unconsciously, or if someone has fooled you into doing it, then you don't transform anything. And that's a very dangerous thing, of course, and, and horrible thing to do. On this path, the lessons of the path are about recognizing and acknowledging female strength which has to do both with the male attitude of assuming a superior role to a woman in the history of patriarchal society, as well as with women who accept emotional slavery and view themselves as weak and inferior to men. And we have the furious born. And the furious born is winged creatures, but in the tunnel they are snake-like it's reptilian-like, but in the movie, there are apes with wings. I will go back to this and why it is about women and uh, going coming over the patriarchal society and so on, and how they have used this later on. but it is not Dorothy that overcomes these forces, but the one who manipulates her. It's not Dorothy who do this on her own, as she should do. And And you should do it, but then you have to choose it on your own. You want to transform, you want to work with these forces, you are active.
2: But Dorothy is not active.
3: Then you have the other path, Nientiel, the lady of the underworld, as well as the scorpion and the beetle, both symbolic of the black sun, the sun within 666. Now, on this path, you are on your way to Thagirion, of course. This is the path that connects uh, Nesach to Thagirion. While working with this tunnel, we may be confronted with such issue as the fear of loss, the sense of failure. And the sense of failure is a very big part in the movie and with Dorothy's companies. They lack something and they feel like a failure. And we have the dog Dorothy's companion on this road. And of course, Dorothy is the fool within the deck. And she has this dog, and the dog's name is Toto. And T O T O is an offshoot from O T O Typhonion O T O. Came about in England with Kenneth Grant, but it was a legacy from. T O T O and T-O-T in, in Chaldean Geometria is 4747 four equals 22 and 22 is the path or, uh, the path of, of the tunnels the tons of Saturn, the Clifoti tree and the tree of life and also 22 cards, of course in the mayor Arcana and number 42 is attributed to the card and the dog is Sirius 33, and Sirius is the Black Sun in astrology. And to, to go over to the Sirius 33, you have to go through Thagirion 666, the Black Sun. So in the beginning of the deck, they are giving you clues that there are many layers of meaning in the tarot. There are a lot of things going on here, but this is one of the themes here. You have the sun, you have the yellow, air, sword, intelligence. But you see, because we know yellow is about intelligence, we know that the fool choose to go down or jump down because he wants to go on the hero's journey, he wants to transform. He does do this willingly with intellect. He is an awakened fool. An awakened fool, no, he is a fool. And he takes the decision on his own to be an awakened, enlightened person. Dorothy, Dorothy is a blind fool. She doesn't know she is the fool. She is just manipulated to jump. Now, a very famous thing in Thelema in OTO And Crowley is, of course, Liberos. And Liberos is 77. Liber 77. And Os becomes 77 in Chaldean Geometria. And in this star, you can read Babylon. Now, it is not Babylon, but it is a word play here right refers to a bigger thing a huge metaphysical or physical thing but you see they use words terms in esoteric lore to send message here i'm not going to going into lieber os 77 but many conspiracy theories have done so and There are a lot of misunderstandings. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not out for (laughs) Crowley, Thelema or O2, but I will go into it. But you see, you can use information as you wish, for good or for bad. And powerful knowledge you can for sure
2: use for good and for bad.
3: And you have the os, and if you look close closely to it, you will see six, six, six in the in the os, and it is seventy-seven. So os equals seventy-seven equals
2: Babylon,
3: and Crowley is of course very famous. Or his six, 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 and the beast and the lion. I took the beast to be the lion, Leo, my rising sun, and soul six, 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 the Lord of Leo on which Babylon should ride. And you have the fa- the famous symbology here, with the whore of Babylon, with the holy, with the unholy grail, <laughs> right? And of course, Crowley is the beast, and the lady is the whore. Now, in Chaldean, Gematria, as I was explaining, Oz becomes 77, and here you have Gematria. And it's a very famous Gematria, and very used in esoteric lore and theory. Crowley was very big on Kaldia and geometry, so it is a uh, very uh, it is chosen for for a reason, I would say. Now let's decode Podesta. The best day in his life, he have come up with a cool cipher here. Well, number fourteen is the Uh, In Hebrew, the the Hebrew letter number 14 is Nun. And Nun is a fish, because every Hebrew letter is attached to a a thing, a word. In this case, a fish. And the value of Nun is 50. So you have 14 plus 50 equals 64. 14 the number 14 the hebrew uh, none is the the letter number 14 and plus 50 equals 64. right you have it here in in a bigger version so if you use uh, Caldean Gimotria on the vessel of Oz, not the wonderful vessel of Oz, but the vessel of Oz, the number is 64, if you add
2: them all up.
3: Now we know that Podesta is talking about the vessel of Oz. 14 and a fish, the number 50, 64 in Kalean Gimotria equals the whistle of us. 14 is also a reference to the temperance card. And Crowley changed it into art. And uh, you see the rainbow behind the green lady. And uh, temperance and art is about transformation, body fluids, to uh, in a good way to transform yourself through work with your temple, your alchemical temple. So this is not an evil thing if you use it correctly on yourself because you can change your body by working. You can awaken your kundalini, you can do all sorts sort of thing in your alchemical workshop temple body. But if you are evil, you can use
2: others for that purpose.
3: So it's nothing evil about the card, but I have to explain what the card is about. And there are much more going on with it. It is layers upon layers of meaning. But this is one of them. And it's a very alchemical card. And you have the rainbow behind the lady. And it is not I, who state that by Crowell himself in his book, where he explains his card. And to remind you, Dorothy, if I remember correctly, was green in the book and then they changed it to blue. But both is a reference to Venus Netzach. So let let us take the walk on the yellow brick road finally. <laughs> One of our compa- company is the tin man. And I have to talk a little bit about the tin man here. The symbology here, you can see he has, he has an axe before he worked in the woods. He was free and harmony in nature now we have come this industrial worker this tin man artificial person without a heart and he search for it he have lost something he have become the modern man easy to manipulate because he has only a brain and a brain you can manipulate and use if you don't have the heart your intuitive feeling you will be fooled. Many people who have been fooled recently through this uh, pandemic have been very intelligent persons. But not very wise. No intuitivity. Your brain can take you, can't take you that far you wish to go. You need your heart with you. Something is lost. And Dorothy, during this journey, come to the Emerald City, finally. Knock on the door, and this green man opens. And he doesn't want to let them in. And Dorothy becomes a little bit sad. And she explained to him, well, I have the red shoes on me. Glinda gave me the shoes. Now the green man changed his tone, and now they are very welcome because of the red shoes. Without these red shoes, she wouldn't be allowed in. It's because of the red shoes, she can enter the Emerald City.
2: And it is Glinda who have
3: given them to her. Now, a very important detail in the movie is the Tin Man. In one hour, 41 minutes, and 48 seconds into the movie. This is during the end, where suddenly the Tin Man untie the rope to the balloon, and the wizard is in the balloon. And the wizard starts to travel away in the balloon because of the tin man, and tied it. Dorothy escapes and jumped out, jumps out because of Toto have seen a cat. But the wizard is still on it
2: and sail away into the skies. But it is the tin man who untied
3: the rope. Why? Why? Who made the Tin Man untie the rope? There are only one whistle left besides the whistle of Oz, and that's Glinda. Mm -hmm. And Glinda turned up in the scene right after she had sent away the whistle of Oz. And I explained during the path she, she took, it was about women taking over the patriarchal society led by the Wizard of Oz. Now she is the only ruler left in the Wizard of Oz, the land that know magic, because they have done away with the rest of them. And Dorothy had done her bidding. She gave her the red shoes, and in the book, you can ask, why didn't she do this on her own? Well, in the book, and this is very important, in the book, they explain, the witches explain, that they are very afraid of the Vissaravos. Glinda mm-hmm. is very afraid for, of the Visaravos, Therefore, she sends a child to do her bidding. When he is exposed as a phony, she, he, she appears, but not before them because she had bought into the myth of the wizard. And Glinda is lying. Because she gave gave, uh, Dorothy the red shoes to do her bidding. Then she explains she could go home (laughs) all along (laughs) by clicking the heels. And uh, therefore, she didn't have to do the journey to begin with, if that's the case. Second, she's lying. It is not the red shoes that takes her back, because when you click the heels, she's the one who do this behind her back with the wand, and she goes away. But it also means that she could do that from the beginning and send Dorothy back home with the wand, and she never <laughs> would walk the Yellow Brick Road now, you can uh, argue that, well, maybe Glinda wanted to teach a uh, lesson in um, transformation. But then we have to explain why she sent the Wizard of Oz away by controlling the Tin Man. And then she let her Dorothy w- go. Mm-hmm. So you see, Glinda is not the good witch here. As in the book, she's clearly manipulating Dorothy to do her bidding. Now we start to talk about quite dark stuff to manipulate children, because in the book, Dorothy was supposed to be like 12, if I don't remember wrong here, but very young. Now Dorothy in the movie is a little bit older, but she had very childish childish demeanor about her, innocent and so on. behave very much like a teenage girl. So who is the wizard? Now, I would say it is Crowley. Mm -hmm. And don't get mad at me (laughs) right away, (laughs) or the one who loves Crowley, because that is not what I'm saying, that he is bad or that, that he is a phony. And my evidence for it is that Crowley did the book 777. It was a very famous book in Gematria. In co- combination with the Lima and the methods and so on. If you want to understand the book, you have to do, use their method and, and be in the organization. But the book is still very famous. In that book, he's written about the, the os reference to the number 77. And you have the Babylon star. Uh, Gematria was a big thing for Alice Crowley. It's so very important for him. And the book 77 is, 777 is a proof of that. He was very big into Gematria. And we know that Pythagoras was also very big in Gematria, number, math. And that is the reason why we use that today. It is Pythagoras' contribution to the esoteric, western, West, uh, yeah, esoteric as we do it here in the West. And Pythagoras had a school in Babylon, where he was the man behind the curtain because he had he was behind the curtain, and his students was in front of him. They didn't see him. It gave the knowledge behind the curtain, so you can claim that Pythagoras is the Wizard of Oz, but Crowley is the one who have taken the teaching to heart or made it into a huge thing. I would say, he even did a book about Yamata. Therefore, I think the man behind the curtain in the movie The Wizard of Oz is a reference to Crowley. And what do are they saying with this? They are saying like this: "Thank you for your contribution, Carol. You have done a wonderful thing, but you are, have all, only uh, talking hot air or talked to the talk. Therefore, we send you away with a hot air balloon, hot air. But we want to use your knowledge in a different direction."
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We have taken over and want to use your knowledge and esoteric practice in a different way. We want to add technology to it. After Crowley disappeared, you have Jack Parson taken over, and he was a rocket scientist. And technology became a bigger and bigger thing. In the esoteric lore, you have the Nazis. Now I don't see that Crowley was interested to combine, for example, esoteric lore with technology. I cannot see any proof of it. Therefore, I think Crowley would wouldn't like like what they have done. But I, I don't know that it's a huge enigma. But um, that's what I think right now. Rather, I think there is a group that have taken over Crowley's method and run in a different direction with it. That's become, become quite dark. Now, Podesta and artwork, the card Crowley changed temperance to art, is art. Now, that's a very, very shallow take on the card, but they use everything, (laughs) right? You have art, as in artwork. And art creativity is very important. Imagination,
2: to imagine things. And
3: uh, I don't like their art, therefore I <laughs> don't show you all of it. Bullshit art. But I want to show shows you the red shoes. And uh this is uh, an art collection Podesta have. And he had more art work with children with red shoes. And that's a reference to the Whistle of Oz as well. And the red shoes Dorothy was manipulated to have through Galinda. to walk the Yellow Brick Road or to do other people's errand because of manipulation. To use children to do this people's errand, to walk their shoes, shoes. And Glinda is the one that gives Dorothy the shoes. Glinda is the one who have manipulated Dorothy. And one more time, in the book, it's a completely different matter. And this changed everything. Because in the book, she's the one who acts and Shoes to have the shoes on by her own accord. And uh, here you have one lady, um, maybe I should call her a lady, but uh, <laughs> she's in the crowd of these people uh, and she's an artist. She's doing artwork, yeah. And she likes spirit cooking and a very strange artwork in her gallery you can say at least and uh yeah i don't know if i want to <laughs> say more about that but linda is a bitch i can tell you
1: <laughs> i'm convinced <laughs> <laughs>
3: And we come to very deep, dark stuff. I'm sorry, but we, I'm not a conspiracy buff, as I always say. But I think if we're going to unravel what's happening today, we should talk about dark stuff as well. And as an esoteric, a left-hand pra- practitioner, I know much more than the conspiracy theorist buff do. Therefore, I want to at least give my take on it. We know that during this time, technology became very powerful through the Second World War. The Nazis, you have Tesla. Between 1900 and 1950, our world was completely changed. And we had an elite who didn't want to share the technology with you. They wanted to keep it for themselves. Because that's how they control you, us. They are few, and we are many. They use technology to control us, and if they show their hand, we will expose them as the wizards, wizards that as, as they are. And uh, this has gone on for thousands of thousands of years. But it has escalated after 1900 with Tesla. I will say that Tesla didn't create something new, but rather tapped into something very old, but managed to put it together. They destroyed the tower, but they kept the technology for themselves, of course. Don't ever believe that they destroy their... Yeah. <laughs> Their tools to control you. It's nonsense. They don't want to share it with you, but they don't destroy it. And you have the MKUltra projects and Monarch projects, <clears throat> and uh, it ended up in USA with the Nazis and the paperclip and so on, taking, taking over a lot of Nazis. Of course, horrible people. And I know that people in the conspiracy theories uh, have become neo-Nazis and Hitler is good and all of that shit. Look, the deep core of the Nazi was an esoteric core. And they wanted to combine esoteric method with technology in a very dark way. And I... As soon as you start combining these two, you have gone astray. And then for me, are the Nazis good or not? is a remote point for me. You will always end up in the dead end. And it's hard for me to believe that the Nazis came over to say, doing experimentation on children and so so on are good. No. It's just nonsense because they don't know better. And apparently you have to show sides. If the <laughs> English and the are into the wrong, then Hitler has to be good. Maybe they're all garbage. another con- Another way of control people. But here you have the combination of technology with children, metaphysics the monarch butterfly is a rainbow, esoteric technology, body fluids and rape floaters. And many, many people have come into the open and explain what have been done to them. This is uh, not anything good. And today I have a of friends with personal experience of this experiments, so mm. I can't go back into mm. the blind.
2: I know this is a reality,
3: and this have gone on way too long. So what you see in Podesta and the people like around the Pizza Gate and so on, they are just an echo from this this mentality, this horrible technology in combination of esoteric method. You see, you have the spark, you're still a human and children have a pure spark they want to take away and experiment on because they lack something the children have. We have something they
2: lack. They want to
3: use and abuse children to try to figure out what they have lost and how to replace that
2: loss with technology instead. Then the children is walking their shoes.
3: the children have everything they need the spark, but some want to steal that from them children are close to the sun, joy happiness as it should be but it's uh, very hard when when people get older, they lose the spark this, this happiness and they see the word how it is we become dark and miserable some people never go over that and like they can't take it back in many ways i try to have it intact i took it all back it sounds strange for a person who have chosen the left hand path but i would say the opposite if you are going to do go walk a dark road with no light, you have to bring that light with you, otherwise you will become dark yourself and you will lose. You have you need the right attitude, willpower, understand that why you're doing it and for who. If you take one wrong step on the yellow brick road, you will fall. Especially if you aim for Thagirion, the Black Sun. But I think that's what we have to do as a race. And there are other methods and so on. You see this force mirror, which you can do from within. It seems to be always an echo from your temple, from within as above, uh, as within. So, yeah. Yeah. so what you can do from within, they do from outside. So you will have you will have an a um, manifestation of all of this. It seems to be two different archetypes playing out against each other. And the middle man is caught in between these archetypes. The people who want to transform through their own temple, through their own, own psyche and from within, and the people who uh, manifest it outside of them because they lack the ability to, to do so. And then you have the middleman in between. And it
2: seems that the children have been caught up with this.
3: To walk in other shoes is a horrible thing. And we can see it today. And people make excuses all the time. I'm goddamn tired of it. I have to do this because I have a white coat and I have a lot of <laughs> bills I have to pay. Therefore, I give soldiers who go into war because the globalist wants it, not because they are threatened. They start war to get money, to increase their money, power, and young men go and fight the wars for them. Dying on muddy fields and the excuse is that they need work and money. We walk their shoes and many of us do it on a daily basis. That's weakness. That's fear. They are manipulated. But there are no excuses for it, really. Yes, say no. And the biggest thing with this for me is that if adults do it, okay, I kinda you have your own way. But children haven't choose to do so because they are supposed to be innocent and just play. And when you walk these people shoes and you can't even protect your children from this horrible people, then our race is in a very dire place I have to say. At least you can wake up to this fact. But no, apparently not. (laughs) Now, it is a very bad thing to take a wonderful book and do a movie with a lot of color, happiness, and then you have a dark theme behind it. Why? Because we are born with this. We want it to be good. We want it to be happy. And you see, they've manipulated us again we don't want to see what's in the movie because we have read the book and become mesmerized by it therefore we don't see what's in front of us and that's another point it doesn't mean that you can't see the movie you should but you see my point so i know that they use the movies to show children in the MK Ultra programs, these movies. Why are they doing that? If you choose a grown-up who's supposed to be their friends, manipulate them in a the movie, but they don't see it. But it goes into the subconscious that they should trust people, like Glinda. But in the end, just use them, abuse them. take away their intuitivity, like, I shouldn't trust these people. It's like they're buying into something that they shouldn't buy into. They should be skeptical and feel that something is off with it. But they don't. And many people are very naive. They can see people around every corner, threaten their children, but they can't see the elite. something lost here. The human race is in a very dire, manipulated state of being. And it's time for humanity to awaken to the fact that we have been fooled. This is my analyse of the movie The Wizard of Oz. And as always, you are the judge. I have given you everything I got. I like you, regardless of what you think about it. (laughs) You see, I think it's very important that you have the right to draw your own conclusion about things. And the book is a wonderful book. And I really, you should read it. And you will see the thing, same thing I have seen. And if you think about it, if you haven't read the book, you can't see where they have changed the narrative in the movie, mm-hmm. then you can't understand the movie. You have to read the book and then view the movie. Now you see that they have changed things around here. So first you have to read the book have to understand that they have changed things and then you have to wonder why have they changed this what does it mean now you can start to understand the movie Of course some of it can be a coincidence but there is a clear narrative to be had here you can't explain away glinda's behavior Some things can be a coincidence. But today we can also see that many things we thought was a coincidence ain't a coincidence. It's very planned and very put together by these forces. And they are good at this intellectual games they are playing and manipulating us with things happening in USA, horrible things 2001 and so on. And nothing is seems to be a coincidence, but it can of course. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to decode the visa of us and an announcement before <laughs> we can ask ask qu answer a question. A free part series if you want me to continue with the new thing on Aeon Byte, and if you want to have me, then I will. Ha- I have a three-part series begins with The Boatman The Sky Falls in 12 parts and I will end the series by decoding The Lord of the Rings the book and the movie and all of this part goes together and you can call it a co- continuation of this, the Watcher series if you want to but an even broader perspective. And I think it is time to decode The Lord of the Rings, the book and the movie, on a deeper level than ever before, because I think Tolkien deserves it. And uh, there are a lot of uh, interesting things there.
1: For sure. Let's do it. Let's start in March. Let's get going. Time's running out, like you said. The darkness is coming. We need that light, and we appreciate you bringing the light and uh, all your insights. So, yeah, wonderful presentation. Like you said, so many levels, and you brought a level that probably most have seen. And yes, read the books. I love the books. As a child, there was moved me as much as Lord of the Rings and whatever was there. It's wonderful fantasy.
3: It is. It is, Uh, and I don't know about the rest of the books, but. Would be nice to read them as well.
1: Yeah, they're good. I read all fourteen, so I did the Osiris tour. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it's awesome!
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Vance, any uh, questions from you in the audience? I'm going to let a cat out while you take care of that.
4: Sure. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm going to start with one of mine first. Um, I noticed that you didn't really talk about the quote-unquote wicked witch or both of the wicked witches very much.
3: No. Um, I have a little bit hard time with them. Um, I know that Dorothy d- do away with the Wicked Witch. And uh, in the movie, it wouldn't surprise me if, if the Wicked Witch wasn't that bad as she's portrayed to be, but Glinda wanted to do away with her. And uh, because she was a, vis- uh, a, a witch that could threaten her power after she had done away with the whistle of Oz. And once one more time, it's, it's a different thing in the book, because in the book, Dorothy do the journey on her own accord. But in this movie, it is Dorothy who have taken her on this journey. And Galinda get what she wants. And if I don't remember correctly, the the first uh, witch dies because the house falls upon, right. <laughs> upon the lady, and uh, the witch. So, yeah,
4: yeah. Well, I, I I mean, you could say that the wicked witches were more tied in with nature, you know, just as mm. you know, Wiccan people are, in in our everyday reality, um, yeah. because um, you know, look at the the forest, the monkeys. Um did yeah. the the did the movie portray the wicked witches as being more evil and wicked than the book because I don't mm-hmm. I I read the book too long ago
3: Yeah can be like that yeah Yeah thank you that's, yes sounds uh, as a good take for me and because uh, uh, we are going from nature towards technology and society, really, on this yellow brick road. Oh, definitely. To do away with the wicked witch, which is is, uh, probably a theme there, yes.
4: Yeah, especially like when you see the tin man who was, remember the living apple trees? The the tin man was the one who was cutting down trees, and and the trees with the apples were mad at him. Mm. Uh, and then yet water which is a natural occurrence is what caused the tin man to rust so that's a yeah. kind of a depiction of the fact that nature tends to work against technology
3: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and water is a very important element in method and esoteric lore and theory metaphysical yeah. water, spiritual water astral water and so on which to- is
4: Yeah, which is weird because that's how Dorothy did away with the Wicked Witch of the West by throwing water on
3: her. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit uh, contradictions there.
4: (laughs) And they had the drugs. They had the drugs. I don't. uh, You didn't mention that the poppy field.
3: Yeah, drugs for sure. Yeah, Uh, I think uh, sometimes you don't know how long a presentation will take, and I thought I was like would take much longer.
4: Oh sure. Oh yeah, there there's so much you could dig into. I mean Crowley and uh, Crowley and is um, certainly uh you know um advertised uh, uh romance with drugs and 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 so yeah. forth. Yeah. So so sure. Chester Chester had a um a question for you which is, uh, do you think all these symbolic representations were consciously inserted by the movie creators, or is it possible summarized as a form of synchromystical impetus? I would also ask you to distinguish between the movie screenwriters and uh, Frank Baum himself.
3: Yeah, it seems there are many screenwriters, and I'm sure that different ideas were jumbled around and so on. But I also see a uh, quite clear narrative as well. But something can be there by coincidence. You know, you never know. Uh, I I am a movie maker myself, and all kinds of things happen <laughs> when you do movies. And uh, therefore, of course, some some things you, you take with a grain of sand, but the most important the main thing i think i have uh, got it right here and i think there is a narrative to be understood yeah, very
1: good hard to say hard to say but that's why you keep peeling back the onion so um what about uh the dog toto he was named after the band right I mean, I'm sure Dorothy was. I think as she's going down the Yellow Brick Road, humming African. In a few scenes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's reverse uh, synchronicity. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. That's what they do
1: today. <laughs> reverse synchronicity. No, I'm just, yeah. it was just a joke, just a joke.
3: So. Synchronicity. Yeah, I mean, Toto, you can because you have Tifonian Oto becomes T O T O, yeah. but you come about later on. So you can, I mean. You know what it what, what it creates what or the ripple effect of things or or is it a coincidence? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it is there, the fire pointed out. It's very interesting because TOT uh, uh is uh Kenneth Grant and Kenneth Grant is of course uh, t- took over after Crowley mm-hmm. and Jack Parson. Um And so it's an interesting thing. And in Chaldean Gemotia, T-O-T-O becomes 22, as in the path of the Clifotic Tree and the Tree of Life, and the number of cards in the Mayor Arcana. And we know that Frank Baum was big into tarot and and so on.
4: Now, the whole movie could arguably be said to be about Toto, because in the pre-Oz black-and-white section of the movie, um, Miss Gulch, who is obviously the analog to the Wicked Witch of the West, um, wants to take Toto away. And Toto bit Miss Gulch, and Miss Gulch didn't like her. So I'm wondering, what could you say about the symbology of that, about the relationship between Toto and the witch? And also, I think Toto is the one, uh, uh, I think they captured Toto, the Wicked Witch captured Toto and took Toto away from Dorothy in 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 Oz, just the same way she wanted to take him away uh, in in Kansas.
3: Hmm. Yeah, that that is interesting, and yeah, it seems to it seems to be um, things in the movie that doesn't make any sense towards. Uh, some narrative or if you take away that or if you have that still going on in the movie it doesn't make sense in the end of the movie but you can argue that uh, a dog is the dog star series and the original meaning behind it was a sea rush from Babylon and Sumeria where Morduk had a sea rush mm. And the one who had a sirush was the. It was the king's animal instead of the lion. It was a symbol of kingdom, right to rule. If you had a sirush, change that to a dog. And they, uh, the dog star is Sirius, is instead of sirush. And if Emerald City, and they were on, on the way to. Tiferet Thagirion, she should have her companion dog Toto with her all the way because the dog is the one who points the way to the Dog Star series 666 and um, the sun behind the sun.
4: Well, in that case, um, if the Wicked Witch of the West wanted to to take the Toto away, maybe she wanted to be the ruler too. Maybe this is a story about different magic you know magicians trying to gain power over the kingdom you know the the glinda witch versus the wicked witch of the west who never i guess doesn't have a name at least yeah. in the movie
3: it's a good take Vince. yes i agree
4: whereas Dorothy was the real queen of the movie right because Dorothy is the one Darcy is the one who has the power in the movie even if she doesn't know it yeah and i i assume it's in the book too you know because the, they couldn't have changed that part of the narrative that drastically.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. and and, uh, They know if you go back to the dark stuff, that the children have the power and they don't like it. That's the reason why we have the power. We have something they lack. But people don't understand it. But it doesn't mean that it's untrue. It's true. Well, Dorothy got her awakening for sure. Yeah,
1: (laughs) for sure. All right. Well, if there's not any other questions, thanks for the super chat uh, there, Chester. I think we shall wrap it up and uh, for sure we will tackle this trilogy in March. And yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think we have ended. We are back in Kansas, as uh, the famous saying goes. So, Vance, thanks for keeping us company. Oh, uh, it's fascinating. Wizard of Oz, my favorite. Watched it for years. Yeah, I think I've watched it. It's, only, like, it's
3: a good time. movie, very well made, and and uh, yeah.
4: Used to be a ritual every year at a certain time. CBS would put it on, and we'd all gather in the living room and watch it every year. It was like Christmas.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> We have similar things going on in Sweden, but with different movies. Oh. <laughs> in the after uh, of, of the new year, we we watch Ivanhoe. No. Oh, and every, good! Yeah, yeah. Everyone has a an hangover anyway, so it's like, yeah, watch Ivanhoe. <laughs> <laughs> please, tell not, please tell me it's
4: not Please tell me it's not Midsummer, right? That, that, <laughs>
3: They are on to us in Sweden. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, David, as always, thank you very much for your research and your insights and uh, taking us on a wonderful journey to see the wizard and back.
3: Thank you, Miguel. And uh, I will be back if you want want me. uh, For sure, for sure.
1: Yeah, we're only getting started. I love it. Well, everybody else, uh, thank you for being here. Appreciate the support. Please subscribe and like, and uh, yeah, have a good weekend. Certainly write your own gospel, live your own myth. Hope you don't run into any flying monkeys on the way there. But if you do, well, just uh, take it and enjoy it. What else can you do? But uh, other than that, everybody, have a good weekend, and uh, we will see you on Monday for some Hellenistic astrology. Take care, everybody.